Hey, Christine. Hey, Lauren. How's it going? How's your week been? It's been pretty good over here. I'm just gaming up for my trip to Croatia. Just wanting it to get a little bit warmer here. How about you? Pretty good. Um, Yeah, I've just been pretty slammed with work and stuff the last few weeks. You've got a whole setup behind you, too. I can see you've got lots of dragon and uh, Targaryen related stuff. Yes, I um, I have listened to a lot of Gurm's book um, books as audiobooks, and I figured I kind of wanted some reference text before the show comes out for our show, for our podcast, so that I could check check the books should I need to. Um, and I figured it would be easier to like physically look in a book than to actually like check the <laughs> audiobooks that I have. So I went and got some uh, books on Amazon. So I got. I got the hardcover copy of Fire, which I didn't know when I bought it because I got it. I got it from like a used, um, I think it was actually from a Goodwill that was selling it on Amazon, but it's brand new. It's like in perfect condition. And I didn't realize it's an illustrated copy too. So it's like Ooh, really cool. Yeah. I don't have that version. I just have an ebook of this actually. Yeah. It has like these black and white drawings in it. Oh, nice. And there's like a lot of them. That's really cool. Like every couple pages. Yeah. And then I also picked up um, A World of Ice and Fire. Nice. And then you've got, she's got a print of our Who Fucked a Dragon design that you can get. I don't think you can get the print on our merch store. That's just for us. But you can get (laughs) mugs like mine right here and crop tops like Lauren's on our merch store. Um, So she's got. Yeah, I'll post a photo on the Instagram too. So you can see what Christine's talking about. But she's got her. Who fucked a dragon bug that she's drinking her cold brew out of tonight. (laughs) And guys, if you don't know this, Christine and I are really concerned about the Targaryens and their dragon-like qualities. And we know that the books don't say this, but we think that one of the Targaryens must have fucked a dragon. Yeah. So when we said previous weeks that we want you to fight with us, we didn't mean about this. Um, We don't want to (laughs) hear. No, we did. That's fine. (laughs) Okay. Fine. Someone was fighting like, with us on Instagram about this. And we, like, we don't know, mind. We know. we know that Gurm never said somebody fucked a dragon. Um, but he never said nobody fucked a dragon either. Um, so <laughs> we know the lore. And you know, if they were doing blood magic with the the worms and whatnot, they might have also been doing sex magic. You know, those things that's just not. called sex. It's a thing. Sex magic's a thing. I know, but like they didn't need to do any magic. They just had to have a dragon human hybrid that looked like a Targaryen. And all of a sudden they have dragon properties, like not being burned in fire, for instance. Do you think, I don't know, maybe you have to be magic to fuck a dragon. Aren't dragons magic though? Yeah. So, but how do you fuck one? What if the dragon fucks the person? <laughs> <laughs> It's like that Reddit that's like dragons fucking cars. What? 
subreddit why do you say that as if i know what it is i thought other people knew what this was i'm not a big redditor to be honest i'll like check it if i need to know something specific but i only follow our free folk and dragons fucking cars what the fuck (laughs) it's just people making art of dragons fucking cars um there's another one cars fucking dragons um, where the dragon's the bottom, but that one's much less realistic. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> much less. Anyway, <laughs> Lauren also has a cool uh, Drakkar's candle that I got her yeah. on her wall and a dragon thing. So I'll have her post a picture after of her little setup. Can you see that candle? It's so dark. I I know it's there because you sent me a picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know where it is. I moved stuff today, though. She's got a good setup. I kind of don't. This is my music room. There's music things. <laughs> um, yeah. Should we? Should we do this episode? Do you think? I think we should podcast. Yes. Um. Yeah. Let's. Podcast. So this week we are covering the final five episodes of season four of Game of Thrones. This is one of our um, epic rewatch series. So we are going back. We're rewatching all of Game of Thrones uh through a new lens you know years later no wait hold on have. one second christine uh you know what we forgot to say what we are yeah oops <laughs> it's okay <laughs> we'll just say it now that's the kind of podcast we are uh guys this is pot of the dragon and we're the podcast where we talk about house of the dragon and game of thrones and anything going on in westeros so as christine was saying we're currently rewatching game of thrones and we are in season four. If you guys want to catch up, we have a bunch of episodes already out covering the first three and a half seasons. We're in the second half of season four here. Yeah. So sorry if you're new to us, um, we didn't introduce ourselves sooner, but we can be some chaotic ass bitches. Um, we like it like that. I'm not sorry. Um, yeah. So what episodes are we talking about today, Lauren? Today, we are talking about episodes six through 10 of season four. So that is The Laws of Gods and Men, Mockingbird, The Mountain and the Viper, The Watchers on the Wall, and The Children. Weird bunch of episodes. Honestly, they're all pretty different from each other. They're good. I don't know that this is like my favorite set of five that we've done, but there's some good stuff that happens in them for sure. It's a weird set of five. I don't know. I really like this season. I think we said this on the last um, uh, Game of Thrones episode, but I, I like this season in general. Um, I do too. But yeah, no, there's just, it's very all over the place. I feel like six and seven were a lot of like lead in episodes. And then I hate eight and then nine was a big battle. And then 10 was kind of tying things up. That's, that's the episode all done. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about we've talked about before i think this is our second episode of the whole series that's a whole episode long battle sequence is that true it is we did the battle of the blackwater in season two yeah so the first couple seasons are like um i don't know see the first time watching it um this episode i remember i watched it at a bar um and it was like so exciting and so enthralling and I remember seeing like this is better than like most action movies I've seen in the last couple years um and I really really liked it 
Um, but it doesn't have the same magic, I think, rewatching it. Doesn't. it. I just was kind of bored. I'm just like, cool, I was fighting. too, dude. <laughs> yeah, and like that's not, I feel like that's just not really what we came to this show for necessarily. And mm-hmm. it's and, and we like that it's there, but to have it for a whole episode was just like I'm here for the like the um backstabbing and the plotting and all of that, you know, and and you just don't get that in that episode really at all. And so, yeah, it was a little like it was a little boring compared to everything else, despite it being like the most action heavy. It's just like not what the whole show is about. So it almost like sticks out a little bit as like something different. And it's not bad. I still like think it's a fun. Like you said, it's like good as an action movie compared to like most action movies. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's still definitely enjoyable. It just isn't quite what I want from the show. And, you know, so it, it I don't know. It's. I don't dislike it. It just like didn't quite do it for me rewatching this. I think what bothered me too is like this time around, I was like rooting for the free folk. Like I'm like, fuck the Night's Watch because I know what's going to happen to Jon Snow. I know they're all pieces of shit. Um, and I actually really respect Mance Raider and I like Egret and Tormund. And I'm kind of like, I don't really want the Night's Watch to win. I want like Jon Snow and Sam to be okay. But, like, everybody else can fuck off. So I think that's, like, maybe part of it is I'm, like, I don't care about these stupid men of the Night's Watch and their whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely, like, supposed to be kind of, like, a gray area where we kind of like both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, obviously there's some really sad deaths in that episode and stuff, too. I think what makes some of the later battle episodes that we see better is they're directed by, what's his beard? Our guy, our boy. I don't know. Let me see his name. Our boy, the, the House of the Dragon one. Oh, what's his face? face? Yeah, he, he directed Ryan, Har- Ryan, whatever. Ryan, Ryan Condal directed Hard Home, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, no, I probably didn't. didn't know that. No, 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 no. I lied. Or is it the it's other Miguel, guy? It's Miguel Sa- uh, Sapochnik. Sapochnik. So I think what sets this episode apart um, from like some of the later battle episodes that I think I like a lot more is um, this one was not directed by Miguel. Um, Sapochnik. We don't Sapochnik. know. Correct us if we're saying that wrong. Yes, please, please do. I don't want to. You can email us or tweet at us. We're on I don't want to underscore by the dragon. Um, but he did Hard Home. He did um, the last battles the one with Daenerys I forget I think it's called the spoils of war um he did that one um he did the battle of the bastards um and he is one of the main directors of house of the dragon um yeah so those battle scenes um I think are a lot better than this one no offense to the director of this episode I just feel like this just felt very like action movie heavy and didn't have the same kind of twists and turns as some of those later ones do yeah and again like I didn't hate this episode I just it's was fine it was fine yeah anyway um we should probably go to episode six and just kind of get into this we kind of generally talk about it um in order ish um but not really Guys, this is going to be full of spoilers in case you haven't already noticed. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a rewatch. We will be talking about these episodes. We'll be talking about previous episodes. We might reference stuff that happens later in the show. So if you don't want that, go watch Game of Thrones. What are you doing? Why haven't you watched it yet? Watch it. Uh, Also, (laughs) content warning. um, We're going to talk about anything that happens in Game of Thrones. So that could include sexual assault, rape, um, ableism, torture, murder child abuse 
um yeah not great stuff but mm-hmm. it's it exists in this world so if it happens on the show we're going to talk about it so if that's not your thing um just giving you a warning yep so let's dive into the laws of god and gods and men um we start out with our first time going to bravos i think right yeah i think this is the first time we see bravos because stannis and uh Davos. Davos, not Davos. Stannis and Davos are going to the Iron Bank to ask for money. Um, and the Iron Bank does not give a single fuck about who sits on the Iron Throne as long as they get paid. Yeah, I, but Davos does convince them that they are the ones who will pay him back. Pay them back. So go Davos. Yeah, good job, dude. Um, I mean, backing a stupid cause but nice try then we go to um yara is like gonna go try to rescue theon and there's like this stupid overlay where yara is like rereading the letter about like from ramsey about sending bits of theon um and she's like we have to go get him but for some reason that scene is overlaid with ramsey fucking yeah i never understood why it I seems never, like I don't want to see Ramsey fucking. And it's more like random than any of because usually like when we see sex scenes in Game of Thrones, like the people in the scene are doing something else at the same time, sex positioning that we need to know about. And this is just like overlaid on someone else's speech for seemingly no reason. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Um, like I feel like it would have made more sense to like sh- overlay it with him doing something brutal and horrible um to show like how bad of a guy he is who they're trying yeah. to save Dion for but he's just like but it also just like the fact that they're doing that like cut back and forth at all was also just something they don't normally do on this show so it was a bit odd yeah it felt a little montage but also yeah in a weird a way lot of sex for no reason yeah very blatant see. boob quota moment there yeah i just don't need to see ramsey fucking i love okay can you read your note here about what happened what yara's so, doing yara, so yara goes to go get theon and i wrote yara does a little sneak sneak to get a reek reek and then my next line of notes is doggos because he's in the <laughs> kennel with a bunch of doggos so i'm cool and smart yes i think it's <laughs> great um yeah and i think in this scene theon is just way too far gone like everything feels like a trick um so he like can't even believe that they're really there to save him he's just like trying to remain not loyal but like just trying to like say what he needs to say to keep himself alive um right well and like he's been he's been tricked before in this like almost exact same situation where he's been like made to think people are here to help him and then it turns out they're gonna hunt him and so he's like I'm not falling for this again even though it's his actual sister he's like no like I just can't like nothing is safe anymore yeah which is really sad it's really sad he's, he's so far gone at this point yeah and like it really I mean we talked about this in previous episodes like the psychological torture that he went through in addition to the physical torture because and which really shows in this in these couple of scenes here because he just like he doesn't trust anything that's happening to him as like being what it looks like at face value and he just can't anymore Mm -hmm. because he's just been deceived so many times yeah um yeah so then we go back over across the narrow sea 
to Danny and her dragons, um, aka just Drogon at first because he's off doing his own Drogon shit. And Drogon's in this instance, off doing Drogon stuff, eating some goaty boys. He is eating people's goat herds, and we will see later in this season that that's not all he eats. Silly Drogon. He's very hungry though. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's a growing boy. He's got to eat. Danny didn't really think that through. He just she just showed up with dragons and didn't really figure out how to feed them, did she? Yeah, and that's so I wondered. I've always like thought about this because I, you know, I've thought, was this always just what was going to happen with her getting dragons? Like Jorah always is like, they're dragons. You can't do whatever. Blah blah blah. But he's Jorah and he's dumb. So, like, would it have been better if she had trained them to only like expect food from her rather than hunting for themselves? Because she like lets them hunt for themselves, and maybe that wasn't the right call. Yeah, or like, I don't know, there's no, never any talk of her like raising livestock or like buying feed from the farmers that are already there to feed these dragons. They're just like out hunting, but like they're not in like the will, they were never in the wilderness, but they're not just like Like, out traveling anymore. Like they're animals, they don't know who owns these goats. Yeah, like she's like in a castle in a city. Like they're not like on a ship anymore where they're just like grabbing random shit. Like this is like somebody's flock. (laughs) <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Um, this is the first episode where we meet his star. What's his Zolorak. face? Fuck that guy. I hate that whole plot line. It's just dumb. I mean, it's in the books too, but whatever. It's, it's better just, than I it don't... is in the books. It is. It's just, ugh. So I don't know. She like marries him and fucks him a whole bunch. Yeah. And it's just like, why did I marry him? I should have married Dario. She's yeah that's true We're annoying in the books but i think it's because she's like 15 in the books yeah <laughs> so she acts like she's 15 yeah he kind of is just like i don't know so let's he calls her out in this scene because she killed his dad and he's like my dad spoke out against those crucifixions and like thought they were a bad idea so like this is obviously something we discuss a lot because we're very concerned about how the show ended and like there's supposedly all this foreshadowing and this is I guess one of those scenes where you could kind of argue that um because Danny definitely like gave this basically huge group punishment to this group of people who were not put on trial and like there clearly are some shades of gray in terms of like what those people actually did individually. And I I guess I do think it is sort of problematic that she gave kind of that group sentence rather than like actually trying to give justice for an individual. You you know, you have to like determine somebody's actual guilt before you sentence them to die. Yeah, I feel like this is like a step in her, I don't, this isn't the mad queen. This is her like figuring out how to queen and like how to, like how to, be just and be brutal without being a tyrant like this is like and that's like why she stays in marines right i have a note about that too later because i'm like the whole point of this season that the way way i saw it was like she's learning how to find this nuance and like Mm -hmm. she's making these mistakes so that she can learn from them and she does try to like adjust things like when she you know finds out what drogon's doing like killing goats and people um she like makes changes you know so like the whole point of this season and what Danny's doing seems to me to like prepare her for 
being better and to like learn from these mistakes. And she seems like she's doing it, but she does make mistakes and she does do some things that are pretty brutal. However, I still agree with you that this isn't like a precursor to actually becoming the Mad Queen and killing innocents because it seems like she's trying to learn from these mistakes. Yeah, because in the same season, we see like she has this conversation with his Zorzolorak. She like gives him permission to take his father down to have a proper burial, you know, like provide a little bit of mercy that way. And then when she's talking to Jorah later about um, retaking Astapor and Yunkai, um, and he says, the Rise Masters are just going to take it right back. And she said, well, he's going to, I'm going to send Dario to kill them all um, because if they owned people, then they're automatically bad. And then Jorah's like, well, I sold people into slavery. Yeah. And you're so cool with it. Fuck you, Jorah. But anyway, more importantly, as he like kind of talks her out of it and she decides she's going to give them a chance, like she can either execute them or ask them to, or I mean, demand that they you know, give up slavery and things like that. So it's a little, still a little tyranty, but like for what it is, like she's providing mercy. She's ending slavery without, you know, killing a whole bunch of people. Um, yeah. Well, and that comes after this conversation with uh, yeah. Pizdar, where she's like realized that she killed someone who maybe mm-hmm. wasn't as bad as the rest of them. And she, you know, I think that com- combined with what Jorah is telling her kind of makes her think like, maybe I shouldn't do these like blanket executions (laughs) yeah and she's just kind of been brought up her whole life like seeing her brother being told like you're you know the blood of the dragon you're the heir to the throne like you know they'll praise you and sing your name when you come to town and like um no one ever talked about like what's a good king or queen like right like how do you actually do it once you're there and that's what these seasons in marine were supposed to be about and like that's why she works with Barristan. that's why she works with Tyrion eventually and like I don't know she's supposed to be growing so yeah she had like the influence from her brother and then the next person she gets influence from is called Drogo who is obviously a very brutal human oh yeah so like yeah her she she has like a long way to go to learn these things and she seems like she's doing it though yeah and she has to toe the line of like she's like this small woman there's not like a lot of queens in this world right um so she needs to like show that she's fierce show that she's you know brutal and relentless and you know show that she's like a good person and is just and isn't you know a mad queen like her father it's a hard line to toe. I feel like it's a hard line for like women in general to toe to be like, don't fuck with me, but also I'm not an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, moving on. Mando, which Mando. means we're talking about Oberyn because that's Oberyn. the same oh, person. I love Oberyn so much. I He's love not him. with us. He's not with us long enough. Um, I love. Is this when he's in the small council, right? Yeah, this is when he joins the small council on Tywin's request. First time he's actually joining it. He doesn't get to join it very often, but... He says one of my favorite lines that he says in this whole season, which they're talking about the Unsullied, and he talks about, he's like, oh, I've seen the Unsullied. They're very impressive on the battlefield. Not so much in the bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) He's so funny. So then there's another, so yeah, we have the little small council scene with Oberyn, and then we also have another scene right after that with Oberyn walking into the throne room, because again, Varys is just fucking hanging out in there waiting to have dramatic conversations. I don't know why he's always there by himself waiting for dramatic conversations. What is that about? But anyway, yeah, they have another dramatic conversation. Um, 
Also, Varys comes out as being ace in this scene, and Oberyn thinks that isn't a thing, which is sad because he's like the most woke person in this show. But I guess we can't have it all in Westeros. I think I have that here too. And it's like Varys ace representation, finally. Um, yeah, that's true. Oberyn is the most sex positive in this show, and he even he doesn't understand. Yeah, he's like everyone has a preference, and Varys is like, no, no. But anyway, we love you, Varys. I support you, Varys. Most of the time, I Um, I see you. (laughs) Oh, and then we get to the big, big old part of this episode, which is Tyrion's trial. Yes, Tyrion's trial. what a shitty situation, first of all. Hmm. Um, there's a huge conflict of interest in the judging panel. Yeah. But I guess that doesn't seem to matter in, in this setting. And he kind of says that. He's like, I'm not going to get any justice. Like, it's. Yeah. And I mean, it's like apparent to everyone who knows anything that that's the case. Mm-hmm. But nobody is like saying that's not okay either. They're just like, this is how it is. Yeah, Oberyn sort of questions it, but also just yeah. kind of goes along with it. And he's yep. just a troll. Oh yeah, Oberyn's trial, definitely like. just trolling everyone. He's just there to troll. Like, he does not care what happens to any of these Lannisters. He's just... <laughs> um. So, like, the big, you know, big bad thing that happens in this is we've been waiting for it, where Shay shows up and betrays Tyrion. I hate this. There's some stuff that happens with Shay like that we don't see that's off screen because obviously Tywin has her, right? So, mm-hmm. but like, what is, like, is he threatening to kill her? Like, what is, why does she do this? I don't know. I always thought like she was out of spite because he broke up with her and like insulted her and called her a whore. Cause at the end she goes, I'm a whore. Remember? Yeah. Um, but like, she also knows that is basically sentencing him to die by doing this and it just seems like yeah she's dramatic and bitchy sometimes but it doesn't seem like she would do that even if she feels hurt I don't know very overly petty yeah yeah I don't know I think it's it's probably both like I feel like she was being forced to say that and the things she was saying were just very coming from her like broken heart yeah probably like took everything that they had between them and like spun it around to be some like dark perverted thing she was forced into doing which yeah is really which uncomfortable is the... to watch there's also like there's some stuff we don't know still about her background too because like we've talked about this before we don't know when she was taken by Braun in the battle like was she being paid to be a whore for someone else like was she there like just voluntarily with someone she liked like what is the actual situation yeah no we don't know because she's always been like very pissy about being called a whore and again guys we know that that is not a cool word to use um for sex workers uh but it is what they use in this show so um yes we're saying that but um yes we're we're aware that that's not really cool um but yeah she she doesn't like that word either and she I don't know that's just made me question because like there are a lot of other sex workers in this show who like don't seem to mind being called that Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of always been a question as we're rewatching this like was she actually a whore before or like what what is her actual background um and so like maybe there is some truth to that like at least that beginning of their relationship where she was just like not actually cool with what was happening I don't know 
Maybe. And I think part of it too, is that like, if she, if they did have like a real relationship, like there's not, there's not really like girlfriends in this show or like dating. Like it's like they're, if she had been like high born or whatever, she would have been his wife. And yes, she still would have taken all of his money and he would have given her beautiful dresses and things like that. Um, But she wouldn't have been seen as a whore. Um, So I think there's like some like kind of like chip on her shoulder there where she's just like at what point am I not your whore at what point am I just your lover right yeah yeah it's a shitty world for women yeah except in Dorn Dorn seems like they've got yeah they seem fine good handle on it we'll get to Dorn later when we actually get there and then they kind of make me like it less but I like it right now true right now Dorn seems great yeah (laughs) they have girlfriends Um, and boyfriends in Dorn they do (laughs) sometimes some of each the other really fucky thing from this trial is when Cersei takes the stand. I, so she uses that quote from Tyrion where, um, like, I will take something when you, you know, what is it? Like, when you think you're happy. Something. Yeah, when you think you're happy, I will take that away from you and your happiness will turn to ashes or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but she uses that quote that Tyrion said to her. But I kind of forgot until we were doing this like condensed rewatch that she actually said that to him first. So she's quoting her, she's quoting him, quoting herself in trial. And I'm just like, this is I forgot fucked, about that like too. on multiple yeah. levels. Cause like, like he you did, have to think she knows that too. Like she did, he did say that, but she said it and then he returned it. Yeah. After he <sighs> threatened Shay. Yeah. After Cersei's threat and Shay, who also turned on him in this episode. Poor Tyrion. Yeah, super fucked. Super fucked. So then at the end, he gives this crazy awesome speech um, about how he should have let them all burn. And he demands a trial by combat. Oberon looks like he is really into that, by the way. Yeah, he likes a trial by combat. He like maybe likes it as much as men and women. I don't know. And that's even before he knows who it's going to be against. So he just already looks really into it. He likes that shit. Some people fighting. Yeah. I think he just likes a little bit of chaos too. It seems to be Mm -hmm. something that he's into. Same. So moving into episode seven, Mockingbird. Mockingbird. Um, We, have we seen the mountain yet since he got replaced by Thor? What's his face? I don't think so. So this is the new mountain in this yeah. season. He's been recast by like he's like the bodybuilder. Yeah, he's a no. He's he's a strongman competitor. Oh, strongman um, champion. Yeah, so he's like this huge ripped dude from where's Australia? he from? No, no, no. He's from. I think he's from like some Slavic country. I don't recall which. Oh, um, right, right, right. But he, I used to have a. I, use, I think I still have it, but I don't know where it is. A tank top with him on it. And I think it said, I can't remember if it said, says winter is coming, but then it was actually a picture of the actor holding his dogs, which are, he has, or holding his dog, which is a Pomeranian, which is what I have um, because he's my favorite. And he has, he's like this giant dude and he has this tiny little six pound Pomeranian. It's great. Tiny little floof doge. Oh, I think it says beware of direwolves. Oh, perfect. Yes. <laughs> Which like none of it really goes together, but it's all also perfect. 
No, I like it. <laughs> you were of dire wolves and it's small baby. Yeah. Um, anyway. So we see him cracking skulls and shit. Yeah, he's here. Uh Cersei's really into it. She's like, looks like you're ready to fight people. And he's like, Who's him? Who am I fighting? And she's like, doesn't matter. And he's like, You're right. Just ready to kill people. The hound and Arya, as we've said before, our favorite side quest in this season. They stumble across this dying old dude, and he's, like, talking about life after death, and they're like, do you want us to kill you so you'll feel nothing? And he's like, I don't know, nothing might be worse than this. And Arya's like, no, nothing is nothing. <laughs> and, and then they kill him. Um, they are very... I just this the last few episodes of this season get even better with the Arya with Arya and the Hound because like she has all these lines that are just fucking amazing mm-hmm. and like very like deep and thought provoking like that. I just love it. Yeah, it's the, my favorite side quest. I think. Yeah, because Jamie and Brienne are done for now. So now yeah, Arya well yeah, and, and then um, the Hound when he kills this guy, he stabs him in the heart, and then he just turns to Arya and he says, "That's where the heart is. That's how you kill a man." And then she immediately takes that, she immediately takes that knowledge and kills somebody as soon as she finds his name out so she can add it to her list. (laughs) Gotta love it. That's just uh, beautifully done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bronn comes to visit Tyrion. Now, we talked before about how Bronn, like, doesn't like armor and capes because it helps him or it prevents him from being sneaky. And he walks in all caped up and dressed like Mm -hmm. a little fuckwad. And Tyrion's like, you got new clothes. And he's like, yep, I'm getting married. I'm getting the, like, lands and titles. And and he was like, somebody, you're, he was like, you once told me that if somebody tried to buy me from you, that you would double it. Like, can you double that? And Tyrion's basically like, no, I don't have castles to give away. So he's basically, like, made Bronn into, like, such a powerful person by continuing to, like, pay him more and more and, like, knighting him and all this other shit. Until he, like, actually can't afford Braun anymore. Yeah, that was also Cersei's doing, though, because he knows, she knew that Braun would be his chosen champion. So she's yeah. like, I gotta buy him out before Tyrion can even ask. Yep. And, like, Braun basically, like, says, you know, that's what ha- what's happening. But, like, he's not willing to, like, put it on the line just for a friend. Which we've always known that's how Braun is built and how he's driven. And he, like, tells Tyrion as much. And Tyrion's like, fair enough. I knew this, too. So it's definitely, like, a bummer scene. Because he's, like, kind of hoping that, like, their friendship will mean more to him. But he knows, like, he's not surprised that it doesn't. Yeah. And he's, like, he said, you've never risked your life for me. Yeah. I think it would have been different, too, if it, if it was a fight he thought he could win. Like, if it wasn't the mountain. Yeah, maybe. Like, if he was just, like, kill somebody for Tyrion, I feel like he yeah. might do it, but... But not the but when he said, he's like, I can either have a castle or maybe die. Yeah. All right, all right, Christine. You want to go across the narrow sea again? Sure do. Dario's ass. Dario's ass. Um, we don't yeah, see so his ass in the Dario, uh, do we not... Yes, we do. Literally, I have a full, all caps. But we do see it. No, it just says ass. Um, Dario's ass. So yeah, Dario Um, has snuck into Daenerys' room like a teenage boy through the window and has like flowers that he picked. He's like, look at me. I'm 
a little twerp. Um, <laughs> he's like, listen, I'm good at two things. One of them is women and you're the only one I want. You're unavailable. The other one is killing people. So like, let me go do what I'm good at, like by going to kill people. And she's like, okay, do what you're good at. Take your clothes off. <laughs> yes. Like she just pours two glasses of wine and goes, take off your clothes. Yep. <laughs> and then like, he okay. just strips while she like and watches. Does. And then I love the part when Jorah comes in the next morning and he's like, you're here early. Not as early as so. she's in a good mood. And she's in a good mood. Yes. Or like she's happy or something. I don't know. It was great. <laughs> uh, so the Dario affair has begun. Yes. I have like a quick random aside because there's a scene in between the Danny scenes, which is uh, Mrs. Stanos. What's her name? I don't remember. Stanis's wife, whose name I can't Let remember. Let me look it up. Thanks. Celise. Celise, yes. Um, Mrs. Stanos, aka Stanis plus Thanos plus his wife. Um, she is having the scene with, oh my God, we're so, we're fucking crazy. Um, she's having this scene with Melisandre where Melisandre is naked in the tub with her tits out. Titties out. Gotta have her titties out 99% of the time. She also has her little jewel off of her neck. So this has been a debate because later on in another season, we find out that when she like takes it off, she turns into an old crazy woman um like or sorry rather a crazy old woman like crazy old because she's like a thousand um (laughs) uh but yeah so we obviously just see her as like her normal self like the actress the hot actress what's her name I don't know um we just see her normally in this scene and like still hot and attractive and young but no necklace though She's not wearing her necklace. So it's been a debate. Like, does Mrs. Stanos see Cerise Solis? What's her name? I forget. You just told me. Um, does she see her? See, does she see her and like know what she is? Or is she so much of a fanatic at this point that she doesn't even need the like she doesn't need the glamour for her to see? Well, yeah. Or there's like there's a couple ways to look at it. Either. It seems like, because Melisandre says, like, you don't need anything to see the truth or something like that. So it's like, maybe she sees her as old all the time. Maybe. Or maybe she, like, doesn't notice when she takes it off. Or maybe she doesn't care that she switches. Or maybe they didn't decide to use the necklace as the signifier until many years later. And just forgot about this But I think, I don't think that's the case for this one. Really? That's kind of what I think. I don't know. I think just because of the dialogue in this scene, like where Melisandre is commenting on like how she can see the truth. Maybe. That it was done intentionally and that it's like a fun Easter egg for us later. But I don't know that for sure. They're also talking about how bad Stannis wanted to fuck her and how she was irresistible and blah, blah, blah. Blech. Blech. But that's like a b- good hunk of what this scene is. Yeah. Of, like, her, like, did you use, like, a glamour or a love potion on Stannis? And she's like, no, I didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But, I mean, she's already expressed, too, that she's fine with it. Yeah. To Stannis. And she seemed pretty fucking sincere. Yeah. She's a weird one. 
we might need to talk about her in the next season in Dr. Christine's psychology <laughs> corner. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> She's nuts. Or have we already talked about her? I don't think so. Not no, because we just story. talked about her dead babies a little bit. And how crazy yeah, that is. But that's true. But yeah. Anyway, um, she also like Melisandre also tells her in this scene that Shireen has to go with them to the north, and then she's like needed there. She more or less like I have to think that she knows what Melisandre is saying, like that she's going to sacrifice her, and she obviously doesn't like care when she sacrifices her later. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I kind of knew here. Yeah, and I, but I have to think that the like, mom is she knows gonna burn too. The daughter because of the the blood magic fucking king fluids king fluids stupid fucking king fluids that they're all obsessed with <laughs> mostly melisandra it's um, just melisandra yeah it's just her <laughs> yeah i mean i think it seemed pretty obvious to the viewer so and i i just have to i don't know it's like they've been talking about this shit with with the stanoses for the stanoses for a while the baratheons and it doesn't seem like her saying that wouldn't like ring some alarm bells, but maybe she just doesn't give a shit that they're going to burn her daughter. She doesn't exactly like her. Yeah, no, that's true. I think she just like never really cared about this daughter. She even said like we shouldn't bring her because she's a heretic. Yeah, she's a f- fucked mom. Yeah. All right, back to our favorite side quest again, Arya and the Hound. He's got this little wound on his neck. Arya no wants fire. to burn it. He says, nah no fire um here's where she shows seems like she actually cares for him yes and the hound gets all vulnerable because we've heard this story before about how he was burned by his brother but this time he actually tells it himself um and it definitely even though we've like heard it a lot as an audience it seems like not everyone necessarily knows this story um and so for him to actually like admit to it and like tell Arya, that seems like pretty big for him to like tell this tiny little girl that he's just wandering around with. Yeah. Mm. But I, I don't know. That's why I like love this story so much. Like the two of them seem to like grow to trust each other a lot. And like they're both like murdery people, but like they have this weird connection. I just love it. Um and yeah, this like a buddy scene. comedy. Okay. Back to our other side quest now, or on to our other side quest. We haven't talked about it yet this episode. We've got Brienne and Pod, and we have a crossover episode with Hot Pie. Hot Pie. Yeah, they're just doing things and stuff and looking for some Starks. Um, and Podrick is like, you probably shouldn't be telling people we're looking for Sansa Stark. Yeah, and well, and Hot Pie's like, Starks? What do you mean, like, them lot from Winter Hell? Winter Hell, he said it again. I wrote that in my notes. Winter yes. Hell. I love it. But yeah, you're right. Like Pod's like, uh, don't we probably shouldn't like say what who we're aligned with, like people will kill us. And then Hot Pie comes back and he's like, Yeah, I know where I don't know where Sansa is, but I know where Arya is, like kind of. And there and she's just like, she has the biggest told you so moment ever. It's great. But also, like, Pod's kind of right, too. Oh, yeah, Pod's totally right. <laughs> like, they were fine talking to this, like, child who works in an inn, but, like, probably anybody else. Who and just, they have a lot of luck in this season because, like, they have this encounter with Hot Pie randomly, and it's, like, the one time they mention who they're actually looking for, and he happens to know them. And then they also randomly just walk into Arya in the countryside later. 
Oh yeah, I always thought that was weird. Like, where did they come from? What? Why were they both there? Yeah. But anyway, um, they decide to go to the Vale because Podrick knows about like people's relationships with their family and blah blah blah, and says that's a good idea. And he's pretty right. That's um, where they're headed. Yep. But in the Vale, shit is going down. Shit is going down. So should we jump to the Vale? Yeah, we have a little Oberyn moment with Tyrion. Oh, that happened. That I kind of want to talk about, actually. Um, yeah, no, no, that's, that part's great. I forgot that happened first. So um, Oberyn comes to talk to Tyrion, and, you know, he's basically, like, he tells him about, like, the first time he met Tyrion when he was a baby, and, like, how, like, he was told that Tyrion was a monster, and, like, all these crazy tales that got out of whack about him and then he like met him and he was like no he's just a baby he's not a monster and like Tyrion gets all like misty-eyed because no one's like said that he's just a person ever before which is really sad Mm. um and then Oberyn says like that he's gonna be his champion and it's definitely like I think it's twofold because I don't know for sure that he would have offered to go up against the mountain if he didn't have beef against him but he seems like he might have like he definitely is like the kind of person that just like values human lives and like he seems like to understand that what is happening to Tyrion is really shitty so I mean I think there's an element of it that like he might have even done that anyway potentially I don't know for sure I mean you know never will but of course he's also there for revenge and that's who he needs revenge on so Mm -hmm. like it kind of seems like two birds one stone exactly yeah but yeah that scene is very like emotional yeah I really like this scene because I just I don't know Oberyn feels very Inigo Montoya here. And I mean, of course, he has the whole next episode too. Um, but I think that's what I like about it. He's very just like there, just like being all, I don't know. Just like he could have just come and been like, I want to fight the mountain for you. So I'll be your champion. But he like did this whole speech and story about when he met him when he was a baby. And um, I will be your champion. Like, it's just very, like, there's a lot of performance to it, but I love it. Yeah. And Oberyn is just like on a fucking quest to do this. Yes. It's great. Because he's Mando. He is. Let's go to the Vale where everything sucks. The Vale. Okay. So, yeah, we get this. We start out in the Vale with Sansa building her little Winterfell in the snow. Um, she just immediately, like, goes outside in the snow and like looks super happy and it's kind of just this like symbol of the north and just kind of this connection for her toward who she is or to who she really is um and then of course robin comes and ruins it uh robin's obviously a little dick in the scene sansa doesn't have like the best reaction to him accidentally knocking over part of her no. castle either so you know no it's a little like childish shows, there again- too and this shows again how much she's still a kid. Like so much of her, like at this point, she's like a woman. Like she's been married, and like little fingers after her. And then it's just see like these two children just like fighting over like snow castles. Basically, it just really shows like she is a kid still in so many ways. Yeah, um, I came up with a new nickname in my notes this week for Peter Baelish. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. Peter File. Pedophile! <laughs> like how Irish people say pedophile? Because he's Peter the pedophile. 
Peter file. Um, so yeah, Peter file then walks in and, uh, you know, is a pedophile and tries to make out with her. <laughs> and his wife. More or less, the pedophile walks in and does what pedophiles do. Pedophile stuff. Um, and the pedophile's wife sees and has the complete wrong reaction to that. Victim blaming. Yes. We do not support this. Instead of being like, holy shit, my husband's a pedophile. She says, holy shit, my child niece try is trying to steal my husband. Yeah, nope, that's not okay. That's or not how it. things work. No. And also, she wasn't interested. Yeah. Like, Senza also not makes that very clear to you on multiple occasions. Like, I didn't want that. That wasn't good. Yeah, so this is the scene where, like, Lysa is trying to throw Sansa out the moon door. And, like, I don't know if Baelish hadn't walked in. Do you think she would have killed her? Maybe. I think, I mean, I think she could have because she's so erratic. Yeah. She's very erratic and very, like, impulsive. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, before we finish the next two sentences of what happens, I think we better pull... Liza Aaron into Dr. Christine's psychology corner while we still have a chance. Psychology corner. Woo! So, as well know, as I don't... Robin Aaron too. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll do a little family sesh. Um, so, you know, I don't super like using diagnoses on this show because I don't think you're going to diagnose someone I don't know, much less a fictional character. Um, but I did do, I did my dissertation on borderline personality disorder and Liza has a lot of borderline features. Um, and this isn't too... I think the reason that I don't like using diagnoses is because we'll say things on the show like this person's crazy or a bitch, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want people who have these disorders to like be associated with those things. Um, so I'm going to say she's got some features, but you know, a lot of people with borderline personality disorder, most would probably not throw their kid or throw their niece out of moon door. So I just want to disclaim her there. Um, but within that, it's this intense fear of abandonment that's going on with her. And that's like so much, I think like a core of her character that she just like needs to be loved and needs to be wanted and chosen so badly, um, specifically by, by the pedophile, Peter file, um, to the point where she, like she said, I've done everything for you. I've killed people for you. Um, there's no boundaries in this relationship. Similarly, there's no boundaries in her relationship with her son. And in a lot of ways she uses her son to feel like he's the one person who can never leave her and she has to make it very, very hard. She has to make that very, very clear that she, he cannot leave her. So she's still breastfeeding him when he's way too old to be breastfeeding. She doesn't let him go outside. He's like 11. Yeah. Yeah, he's never left the castle in his whole life. He's never left the castle. He, like, like even to like lands just outside of their castle. He hasn't gone to those. It makes sense for someone who is so, um, like, has such a fear of abandonment and needs to be needed that, you know, you would stop your child from developing any form of independence so that they're always there for your emotional needs. And that's sort of what he's doing for her, I think, in a lot of ways. And because of that, he's very emotionally stunted in a lot of ways. He's very immature. He's very anxious. He's afraid of everything. Um, and his like one solution to everything, like his only coping skill is like throwing people through a moon door. Um, yeah. that's like all he really, like, he's just 
learned that the world which to be fair in Westeros it kind of is a scary place where it's like kill or be killed to be completely fair um but he he feels that like deep in his bones like his answer to everything just need a moon door if anything bad happens we'll just throw people out of it um he's very baby um and he is young but like he's just very he is but he seems underdeveloped for his age yeah and he's also sickly they mention a few times and I don't know if is he actually sickly or is this like a I wouldn't like Chosen situation. Chosen's by proxy. I was thinking, like, does she like make him appear sickly so that she can justify keeping him at her side at all times because she doesn't want to be alone and she doesn't want to not be needed? Yeah, I mean, um, it's not a bad theory. Mm-hmm. Similarly, the other kind of borderline feature that I'm seeing is this like um, extreme emotional outburst like her inability to control her emotions where she'll get jealous and it's it turns into a complete rage um and there's no calming her down like she just has no you know right because nothing Sansa ever says when she's acting like that is gonna make it better I think you know if I was gonna work with her I'd work with her on her distress tolerance and learning to sit with negative emotions and regulate herself but uh there aren't a lot of good psychologists in Westeros it seems no it doesn't seem like it (laughs) Maester Pycelle is not it Mm -mm. um what do you so she you touched on this a little bit but she's like super 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 fucking obsessed with Peter Baelish and it's like obviously a one-way unhealthy relationship and she's it seems like very obvious to everyone else that like he doesn't really like her yeah she like very much like yeah like she's he's kind of like a I don't want to like a narcissistic abuser to her in a lot of ways where yeah. he's just kind of like using her for his own to feel good about himself and to feel powerful and then actually to like make his own moves like she he's she's just a pawn for him um and she needs to be needed so it's just kind of like a match made in hell yeah I wonder too if like something happened to her when she was in King's Landing because and the one for one thing um Kat seems to like have this reaction when she meets her earlier in like season one or whatever um to like that her sister is different is kind of the way I take it so like it seems like maybe she wasn't having as many issues before and then like she didn't she also I don't believe was a shut-in before she left King's Landing when she went there with her husband Mm. as Hand of the King um it seems like when she came back like that's when she started like showing more of these symptoms and like shutting herself in and like cutting off the rest of the world and all this stuff so I wonder if like something traumatic other than like the fact she killed her own husband yeah which makes sense if you thought that maybe that was like the image she wanted to show everybody so that they believe that like her husband was murdered um because it made sense in season one because you think that like people poisoned her husband and she was in danger but then when you find out she did it's like why are you like this yeah um, and it's like not an act so yeah I, I don't know it seems I don't I don't know what happened in King's Landing before the show began obviously because we don't have that piece of history but it seems like maybe she went through more trauma there than we know about it seems like it I would think that's a good assumption yeah well anyway should we pop back to our 
Let's pop back. Pop back out of our psychology corner here. Sure. Thanks, Dr. Christine. Do my best. As we said, Sansa, she is uh, being held over the edge of this well. Baelish walks in. He's like, don't drop her. Let her go. And he's like, listen, I've only ever loved one woman. And he, and like, gets, and she lights the fuck up. And then he goes, your sister. Your sister. And pushes, pushes her, her in. Ah, oh, so dramatic. Very ah. Game of Thrones moment. End of episode. So Game of Drama AF. I don't know. I was thinking, like, do we add this to our most brutal deaths episode? But I actually don't think it's, like, a top brutal. But it could still, like, go in the rankings somewhere. What do you think? I think so. I think it was more brutal with the psychological damage that preceded her actually being thrown from the tower. Yeah, yeah. I never loved you. I only loved your sister. Now I'm pushing you out your own killing device. Okay. Episode 8. Yes. I was just going to say, let's move on to episode eight. Let's do it. Um, This is, I wrote, this is my least favorite episode of the seasons that I count as existing. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't like it. Um, I don't like a lot of the things that happen in it. It's still a good episode, which is why it's my least favorite of the ones that I count and think are good. Um, But I don't like it. Why? Um, mainly the end part. Um, I don't like that battle makes me super anxious with, um, and I don't like how it ends. And I don't like that scene, like head bashing to me of all the violence in Game of Thrones that makes me uncomfortable. Like the, the sexual assault makes me uncomfortable in a different way, but like the, like gore, it's, it's just the head bashing. It's really the only thing that gets me the rest of it. I'm just like, this is fake. It's blood. But like the head bashing, I hate it. I hate the sound. I don't like watching it. I don't like that Ober dies because I love him. I don't like that it would have been so easy for him to not fucking die. Um, But he had to do his whole, you raped her, you murdered her, you killed her children, hubris bullshit. Yeah. Um, So I don't like that. I don't like the scene with Jorah. I don't know why. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, It just, I don't know it's just gross like the whole thing's gross like i don't don't disagree i think there's yeah yeah and then there's other reasons too i don't remember specifically well let's get into it um we start in moles town uh now i have a little bit of a problem with this because oh in this part with the fucking yeah the moles town part hate this yeah so the wildlings or the free folk are um they are raiding these little villages and it we kind of just like hear about it until this and then we actually see it in Molestown. But it occurred to me that the people who live in these tiny villages in the north are just like hardworking, lower class people who like don't have any kind of say in how the world is happening. <laughs> and the and the free folk just come in and kill them all. Like, what the fuck? Why? It's not cool. Yeah, it's really not. I feel like these are the kind of people that they should like rally to their side who would probably happily be like, yeah, fuck these lords. And obviously there is like some, I don't know, it's not quite, I don't know if you would call it racism because they're like the free folk are like the original people who lived on the continent, I guess. Yeah, like nationalism, I guess. Yeah, nationalism maybe. Um, 
but yeah like clearly the pe- like the people in Molestown are obviously like being dicks to Gilly because they're like you fucking wildling and like they clearly are talking in a very derogatory way toward her so like they don't like them however I also have the feeling that like if they actually understood what the free folk were about they would be the most likely of anyone in Westeros to like want that kind of life and the whole point is they're going south so that they don't get eaten and destroyed by the army of the dead and like these people are going to be the first ones to go so yeah yeah it does bug me that the free folk are killing these like random innocent people for no reason yeah especially this like in the brothel like it's just like a bunch of like yeah what the fuck and sex workers and like their kids like it's not people it's not warriors you know yeah i don't know why they are doing that so that's there and i don't know why but um yeah, and then um, Egret lets Gilly go. Does she know that Egret's? Or does she know that? Yeah, I had a note about this too. I was like, does she know that Gilly is one of them, or did she just see like a mom hiding with her newborn baby? Because like she definitely doesn't seem the type to just like shy away from killing women. Like she definitely does that. Maybe but like a baby, like that's like beyond. Like that's her line. I don't know, and it's I, I don't like. There's not a clear answer to me about why she lets her go. Uh, yeah, I don't know if she knew she was one of them or not. Because that would make sense. I just don't know how she would be able to tell. Right. Like, I think if she, if they, like, talked, I think she could probably tell from her accent, but they don't. Yeah, maybe because so. she doesn't comb her hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys don't get that reference, listeners, you'll have to go back to some of our earlier Game of Thrones rewatch episodes. All right. This is uh, back over across the narrow sea. We've got... Grey Worm and Masandi all naked in the river, just like making eyes up and down the river from each other, and they make eye contact. And like it's a little awkward for Masandi, but like clearly Grey Worm is frustrated with his lot in life. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean his lot of not having a dick. Yeah, he would like a dick. He would like a dick. Um, because he like obviously has a little crusher, and he knows that he doesn't have a dick. Um, then Maybe we cut he to have a dick because remember Danny was like, "Did they remove the pillar?" And yeah, the so that we, that's like the next scene is Danny asks Masandi, "Like, do they take everything or just the balls, um, the pillar and the stones?" As you said, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny that she called it that. This is such like a girl talk scene too. I love that she was doing Masandi's hair because this like really shows like that. Vasande's not just like her servant like she serves her and she's like her handmaiden or whatever but like they're yeah. actually friends like she's doing her hair this time um I, I love that, that too because really cool. like you have to imagine like how many times has Masandi ever had anyone do her hair in her life mm-hmm. like none um okay then then we have the scene where Grey Worm comes to apologize slash flirt slash shoot his shot and, sorry, I'm not sorry for seeing you naked. Yeah, and he is like, he goes from zero to 60 real fast. He's like stage five clinger in this scene. Luckily for him, Masandi seems to be into it. But like, there, this scene is so fucking funny to me because like, can you imagine someone trying to flirt with you and like talking to you this seriously? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, 
yes, I'm glad I became a slave and that like I had that I was cut. And then because then I met Daenerys and then I met you and it's just like, like, yeah, like that, that's definitely like something you could say to somebody like heartfelt, but not like the first time you're flirting with them. Yeah. I also don't like that narrative of like, I'm glad this bad. Yeah. I mean, it's nice if that's the narrative of your life. Cool. But I feel like, I don't know. I don't like the narrative of like, I'm glad somebody like was brutally attacked me because now it's like, well, I think there's, I think there is value in like when something like when you've gone through trauma to be able to frame it like that. But I don't think that it, that like when you're experiencing trauma to like, to be like, well, this is what needs to happen for me to get to the next part of my life. Like, I think, you know, like, I think, I think it's okay to be able to look back and like try to frame it more positively, which is what he seems to be doing. I don't know. You know more about this than me, but (laughs) if that's his narrative, that's his narrative. And I just feel like it's like, yeah, you get to the point you're at in spite of what happened, not because of what happened. Like what happened, it was still not like a good thing. No, no, no. Yeah. No, it bothers me because I feel like they frame rape that way later in this series too, which is always annoying to me. Yeah. No, (laughs) No. that didn't need to happen for you to grow as a person. Right. But yeah, this scene is way too intense but Sandy's like I'm glad that this happened to me that like I'm glad that we're both here too or whatever or she's like I'm glad that you saw me <laughs> and he's like me too hey girl still got a tongue um but yeah they don't actually end up like hooking up until like way later though I feel like this scene happens yeah. and then there's just like not much until like way later yeah yeah well, because that's the only we have a couple more episodes in this season, and I think that's all that happens between them in this season. So, so then we have to wait. Which I mean, I think some of the stuff felt longer to me in between stuff than it actually was, just because like when we first experienced the show, we were like watching it as it came out, like you know, week to week, I guess, yeah, right. Because there were there. some things I can't remember what exactly now that happened in this episode that I was like, what that was already in season four like yeah. I thought that happened later <laughs> so I think it's part of it's true. just that that we like watched this over so many years that's true but I feel like they don't do anything to like season seven maybe we'll find out and we'll find out all right psychological fuckery continues because now Ramsey is making Reek back into Theon but only for pretend pretend you're Theon but you're not Theon you're Reek like fuck we've already talked about this being like terrible and this is just taking it even further and then the worst thing is he like actually does like talk them into is that there's a few things that are really bad about this one theon's we've talked about this before earlier in the episode that theon's like constantly scared that he's being tricked and so for ramsey to ask him to pretend to be theon like you have to imagine that he's thinking in his the back of his mind the whole time like i'm being tricked i'm being tricked i'm being tricked so Mm -hmm. like how fucked up is that but then yeah and then he has to go talk to the iron islanders who never fucking respected him but he somehow has to get them to do it in this instance and luckily for him like and well and he's like if i can't pull this off like ramsey's gonna fucking torture me luckily for him like it basically like he locks into this working out because they're fucking starving 
Yeah, but it's like he promises them mercy if they surrender, they can go home. And then Ramsey flays them like right in front of him. It is like, I was never going to let him go, which is like extra torture where it's just like your own countrymen just got slaughtered and you like led them to it. Yep. So lots and lots of fuckery for this. It's a very bad situation. And just like, yeah, I think probably pushes him even further into that. Oh, yeah. Reek persona. Reek mode. Reek mode. Okay, now we've got the scene where Baelish, aka Peterphile, is being interviewed for how his wife died. He doesn't know that they're going to, he doesn't know that they're going to bring Sansa in. And he like, he's like, oh, I'll go get her. And they're like, no, we want to talk to her without you talking to her first. And then he gets and real he's nervous. Like, he's totally at her mercy in this scene. Cause like they, if like, let's say Sansa did actually tell the truth, they could like put him immediately into custody and then like have him executed, like end of Peter mm-hmm. Baelish. So he's like yeah. very much at her mercy here. And she like comes in and does some Cersei ass shit, honestly. She does some Cersei ass shit and she knows that like works. Yeah, and she like she knows that his life is on the fucking line and that he fucking owes her for this shit. Like, and and she knows as she is, as she says later, she knows what he wants, which is her, because he's a pedophile. Because he told her that. So yeah, she she knows what he wants. She knows that, like, if she can save him, he, like, is kind of indebted to her. And he is, like, the person on all of Westeros that is the most known to us for, like, being able to manipulate other people. And here she is coming out of this episode with him wrapped around her finger. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. She, like you said, he she, like, pulls out the waterworks. Like, talk to me about this scene, how you were feeling with this. I just, like, I don't know. Part of me is, like, now knowing that he can't be trusted. It's just kind of like, Sansa, no. You should have just stayed in the veil. But I'm also proud of her. Like, little baby Sansa's, like, learning to manipulate people. Like, Cersei. And, like, she's, like, just becoming a survivor. You know? And I feel like this is, like, when it begins. But then it's just, like, that's why I hate the whole Ramsey plot. Next season, we'll talk about it. But, like, so much as I feel like she's already gone through so much and, like, started her post-traumatic growth. And then she's going to just be, like, re-traumatized so much worse. Um, but whatever. He's, you know, Peter says to her, Peter File says to her, like, that it's better to, like, you know, use the people, like, to save the one that she knows. But, like, which he has a point because... you know. Yeah, because, like, what if he did die there? Like, she, no one, the only person who knows who she actually is there is Robin Aaron. So, like, that's not great. And, like, obviously she needs to get the fuck out of there or she's going to, like, end up being married to him. And, like, they're not going to, like, let him go because they're, like, betrothed. So, like, no one else at the Erie would, like, let her leave. So she would just be stuck there. So she, like, does have a reason for kind of making this move, right? Yeah, and she doesn't really know, like, the loyalties of the Lords of the Vale. Like, no, she doesn't. Like, if she were doesn't. to die in, she stayed there, like, they could sell her out to the Lannisters. Like, she doesn't know them. Right. She doesn't know their motives. Right. And she already, like, yeah, like I said, she kind of, like, has a lot of power with, with Baelish at the end of this, even though 
like you said, we'll talk about next season, but um, she makes a good move there. And then she, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, whatever. Um, I really liked watching, they like just kind of sh- keep showing Peter's face during this scene, which I thought was really, I liked the way they edited this visually, just because yes. like you can kind of like watch him like hoping he's not going to die. And he like thinks that she's like going to, tell them the truth at first and then like the moment when she starts to like change small details and his face like kind of changes like barely a little bit and then like when they make the eye contact at the end and she's like she gives him this look that's like you fucking owe me dude yes and he does barristan gets a little scroll with oh, the end I, of the I king seal on it you hate it but you kind of love it i liked it more this time around because we hate jorah we've always i did like it more this time around i don't know why it makes me so uncomfortable i think i just feel sad for danny that she's like discovering she's been betrayed yeah this betrayal like the way that she acts in this just makes me really uncomfortable for her yeah so barrison like sees this pardon that jorah gets and he's like what the fuck are you doing? You're betraying Danny. And I mean, we've talked before during this show that like during this rewatch, even though neither of us ever liked Jorah, we just hate him a lot more. Cause like, we're noticing like more nuance of like how much he sucks, <laughs> which is a lot. Yeah, he and, sucks a lot. Yeah. He's like really into slaves, which I like knew he was into slaves, but not as much as I am. He's very into slaves. He like really yeah. fucking likes it. He, he fucks with slaves. Yeah, he's just a shitty person. He doesn't like women that much. Um, even though he like loves Danny, he also doesn't understand like that females are smart people. So he sucks a lot. Um, but yeah, so this kind of like made me a lot. I I definitely like was a lot less upset by this scene this time around just because I was like, yeah, it's time for Jorah to fucking leave. Yeah, I agree with that too. I just want to see less Jorah, which is what they're giving us here. Less Jorah for a while. Last Jora. Um, so then she calls him in and has a little meeting. I agree with you that it's uncomfortable to like watch her go through the betrayal. However, given how much we hate Jora, I just fucking love when she gets all indignant at the end of it and she says, Don't ever presume to touch me or say my name again. Yes, no, she's a badass. Like, and she's love like, it. I don't. She like sets her boundaries hard. I would kill you for this, but I don't want you in my city, dead or alive. So go back to your king and you know, see if you can still get your part in. Yeah, GTFO. Yeah, GTFO. So I have to wonder, like, you know, he's apologizing um and like saying that he's loyal to her now, which I think is true. And she, I have to wonder, like, does she see that and know that? Because it kind of does, given like how much she's been killing people for their crimes lately, it kind of does seem like if she didn't like know for sure that he had maybe changed his mind and come around a bit, that she might have just killed him. Maybe. Or it might just be similar to like when Egret shoots Jon Snow but doesn't shoot to kill, where she's like, she still cares about him and loves him. Not like that, but like she, the to her, like in this the episode before, she was saying like how much she's 
he's her most trusted advisor and he's been with her from day one so I yeah. think as much as she like fucking hates him like she doesn't want to be the one who kills him she just wants him to get the fuck out yeah that's true on to some more bullshit which is this like Simba and Mufasa moment where old Bolton pulls Ramsey up onto a hill and he's like look at all the lands you will preside over this one day this is the north everything the light touches <laughs> um, and it is very Simba Mufasa but like a lot rapier not I mean the scene they're just both rapists so it's well crazy. yeah they are and um and then he like says that you're a Bolton now and gives him his little scroll with his new name on it and then he gets all emotional which is weird because I didn't think Ramsey really had emotions or cared about do you things. think it's real it feels fake I just I don't think any of his emotions are real well like so when we talked about Ramsey before he seems to have like a true like complete lack of empathy and like I kind of like compared him to sort of like a Ted Bundy type where like yes. he can fake it really well I think that's what he was doing yeah so I kind of like think that he's doing that in this scene he like he knows what the appropriate reaction is mm-hmm. but he just wants power oh uh, he's so scary yeah I hate him hate it and then we have Tyrion right uh there's another Arya and the Hound scene in which oh they roll up to the veil like I was saying uh this is where yes they have an almost reunion again um they decide to leave since Liza is dead and they don't know that Sans is there because they don't know um but Arya they're having this conversation before they get there and um the hound is like talking about how like nothing can make you happy and Arya is like lots of things make me happy like killing Polymer and like killing just like talking about like the murders she's done that made her happy um and like versus Joffrey's death which didn't because she didn't get to kill him she's not the one who killed him um I I mean we talked about this earlier that like I love the way that they have like become close in this season and it's so unique because they're like both these killy types like who else could mm-hmm. she talk to like this it's so true because like perfect. even everyone else like there's a lot of people who kill a lot of people in this show but like most of them wouldn't want to talk to her about it in this like mm-hmm. tone right like, feelings fun kind of tone yeah yeah just like it makes me happy <laughs> so yeah uh gotta love it and then Arya bursts out laughing when she finds out Liza's dead because she's just like well what the fuck the second time they've like rolled up to her family and oh they just died they just died yep it's her luck and now Tyrion in his cell talking about beetles for like a long ass time this scene was so long why was it so long they talk about their cousin Orson who used to like kill beetles with a rock because he had been hit in the head when he was a child and I did not remember that this scene was like 25 minutes long not really but pretty long it was really long it was like a weird bottle episode within an episode that we didn't need i don't know why it was there like what was that i don't know why but then this is kind of his last conversation before he thinks he might be sentenced to death and like talking about beetles and orson Mm -hmm. and then they go out to the trial by wombat i mean combat and 
So trial by combat. The last time we saw a trial by combat on this show, we were rooting for the person who won. So we have a lot of hope going into this the first time we see it. Oh, how foolish we were. I remember being really nervous because it like with this show, it could have gone either way. Mm -hmm. But then it really starts to look up for a while. Like he gets him on the floor. He's trying to get him to confess. And, and they're the, still giving the whole... us this, like, e- like let's say the mountain had died. They are still, which he kind of does. They're still giving us this super brutal Game of Thronesy scene, and like, e- even without the twist of like Oberyn dying, it would have been that, you know. So it definitely like, could have gone either him. way. Just kill him! Just kill him! Just kill yes. him! I was so stressed out watching this every time I've watched it. Every it was single like, time. He, yeah, he's trying to draw it out to make the mountain confess before he dies, and like he easily could have just fucking finished him off. <sighs> he's so Inigo Montoya, but it, like not in a good way here. Yeah, you raped her. You killed her. You killed her children. And that's why now he never takes his helmet off. Yeah, he's got to protect that head. Because <laughs> he Mando. Because he Mando. Uh, yeah, so you talked about this at the top of the episode, but this death, I'm going to be surprised. I mean, I won't be that surprised because I feel like there's a lot of brutal shit in this show. But I think I'll be surprised if this doesn't come out as like the top brutal death when we rank them because I have the most visceral reaction. I I don't think I've ever actually been able to like look at the screen the whole time every time I've watched this scene like I just physically can't I can't I always turn away I can't do my it. whole body starts like trying to get away from it like it's a very physical reaction like I can't look at it same yeah like when I, I saw... don't know if we have anyone who's for some reason listening to this who like hasn't watched the show and isn't going to. I don't know why you're here. Go watch it. You should should watch it. He, but, smashes, yeah, his, he, he smashes his fucking head in. He pushes his eyes into his skull and then smashes his skull with his hands. Like a watermelon against yeah. the concrete. Ugh. And that's what it looks and sounds like. It's horrible. Let's add this to the brutal deaths. Yeah. So I'm going to open up our brutal deaths tracker. Are you putting yeah. it in already? Yeah. Yeah. Squish skull, squish head. Brain go pop. Brain go pop. <laughs> no. Yeah. Should I not have written it that no, way? No, that's perfect. <laughs> so listeners, if you uh if you're joining us for the first time today, we are keeping track of all of the most brutal deaths on the show, and we will do an episode after the end of our rewatch ranking all of the brutal deaths as well as we're also going to be ranking uh the worst dads in this show because all the dads in this show suck yeah bad dads we got two more episodes here christine all righty i don't want to talk too much about nine because it's just i don't either um but we'll we'll touch on it briefly i feel like it's one scene basically so episode nine episode nine is the watchers on the wall it is the battle scene at castle black um there's just kind of like a few highlights that we'll touch on real quick um sam talking to sex about or talking about sex with john at the very beginning of it is a funny scene i just always love the scenes where they talk about girls and now they're actually talking about sex because john has had it and sam hasn't and it's very like uh coming of age high school movie except they're too old for that yeah, and he's like, I might die tonight, and I've never had sex, so the closest that I'll get is talking to you about having sex. Yeah. Which, like, gotta love okay. it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right. So we have a couple of very sad deaths in this episode. Pip and Gren. Annie Gret. Pip and Gren. Annie Gret. Mm. Yes. So, so I saw this one at the bar that gave you free jello shots. The main character died. And I got three. So very sad. sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pip dies in Sam's arms. And Sam is so sweet. He's like, the maester's coming. It's okay. And he just like talks to him until he dies. Like, so sad. And then Gren... John, like, basically asks him to go die for him because he, like, sends him to hold the gate in the tunnel. And, like, obviously he's not going to survive that. So that sucks. Um, And we don't, like, see him dead until the very end of it. But that's also really sad. Gren, like, Gren basically, like, knows what's happening, too. And he's like, I will hold it and goes bravely to go die. Which reminds me a lot of a, a scene that happens much later with holding doors, now that I think of it. Yeah. And then Egret. Egret. Oh, he should so, have never left the cave, Jon Snow. He should have stayed in that cave. The best thing about this scene when she gets shot is she John like turns around to her holding a bow on him. And he instead of like holding his hands up and surrender or anything, just like bursts into this wide grin. Like he's so happy to see her. And then she's just, like, barely trying to, like, process how his his reaction, and then fucking Ollie shoots her. And, like, Ollie thinks he's being helpful to Jon Snow and saving him, and, like... Yeah, because, you know, this wildling had an arrow pointed at him, so he thinks he's saving her, or saving him from her. Yeah. And then he runs over and holds her as she dies. She says, remember that cave? You should have stayed in that cave. Mm-hmm. And then he said, we'll go back there. And she <sighs> knows she's dying. So she says, you know nothing, Jon Snow. So sad. And that's, of course, her last words. Um, What's-his-face also dies in this episode, though, which is great. What's-his-face? Alistair Thorne. Right? No, he doesn't die. Oh, fuck. Why did I think he died? I think he is. I don't know. Because Jon Snow, like, hangs him later. After he kills Jon Snow, right? I thought that Janos Flint. Because Janos Flint, like, pisses his pants and, like, goes and hides with Gilly. And hides. And he's a real piece of shit. So he's one of the ones who who stabs Jon Snow. And then when Jon Snow comes back to life, he hangs him for treason. Oh, okay. I don't know why. So he does not die. Disregard. Um, But he does say to Jon Snow finally admits like yeah we should have closed up the tunnel so like Jon Snow earlier in the season we didn't really talk about this because it doesn't matter um was like oh we need to close up the tunnel and he's like this is like what we do how are we going to get north of the wall you're a stupid idiot absolutely fucking not and then in this he's like go on tell me we should have closed the tunnel and he like sort of is like go ahead and say I told you so but he's like I wouldn't have listened to you anyway because you can't listen to people like when you're in charge like I am well and he says like people will say stuff like this at the end but this isn't the end so we're just gonna keep on going on hating each other like so he kind of like starts to say you were right but then he's like no you were wrong so it's kind of a weird situation and then they kill each other later and then yeah at the end he leaves to go find Mance and Sam says come back which I like to use that gif whenever, like, I don't know, I miss people or, like, my husband 
goes to the store to pick something up, I'll send the Samsung come back. Get him. <laughs> yeah, so he's off to meet Mance. And that's, I mean, I definitely think, like we talked about before, like this is a a good episode still. Um, so we're not going to like talk about it a whole lot because it's kind of all one it's scene. Like one scene, but it's but, like, it's, it's not like a skip or anything. Go watch it. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's worth, it's worth watching, but it's yeah, and it's like definitely not... like, it's a pivotal part of the plot in a lot of ways. So, it's, you know, it's not as exciting to rewatch as it was to see the first time, whereas definitely. the ones that are more plot and like dialogue based are almost more exciting this like second third fourth time because you like pick up on things you didn't before right yeah there's nothing like that in this it's like it's not as nuanced yeah which is kind of the fun of game of thrones there's like a lot of like yeah wait they said this but did they mean this or did they mean this and like who are they actually fucking (laughs) yes but like the first time watching these battle scenes i remember like the anxiety of like holy shit what's gonna happen yeah definitely because you knew that you know, this show takes place in this world where, like, the heroes aren't safe. I feel like even, like, most things I read now, like, I just finished talking about this before, like, fucking Court of Thorns and Roses, and I'm just, like, none of these people are gonna die. Like, no I one just, dies. Like, knew it going in, like, none of these people are gonna die, but Gurm doesn't Yeah, that, like that book pissed me off because, like, I wanted some of the characters to die. I felt like it would have been better, but, like, no, she yeah. wouldn't kill anyone off. Like, maybe not Reese, but, like, some other people. <laughs> I feel like it would have been better if Reese died. It would have been a better book, but it would have been would have been really sad, but would have been yeah, better. It would have been sad. I but heard they're anyway. making that up. Side note, like Hulu's making. Yeah, they're making a show, making a show of A Court of Thorns and Roses, which so is we'll very have exciting. To do some boner episodes on that because I definitely want to see it. Bonus. Mm-hmm. Who are we going to call our bonus episodes? Boner episodes. I don't know. I just I just said that now because I thought it's funny. We're twelve. Um, <laughs> it's called bonus points, boner points. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, so let's just go right into episode ten here and wrap it up today. Um, we start out with Snarky Narg, aka John Snargarian, John Targaryen, John Snow, on his way to Mansi Poo, as I wrote in my notes. Um, just Mansi re- Poo's just like what the fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah um wait what were you saying sorry oh i was just gonna say just where we left off at the end of the previous yeah episode um just very much has this like what the fuck dude attitude it's like i really thought like you came we had this real conversation i welcomed you in and what'd you do like like, don't you understand that we're doing like a good thing here and like we're just trying to be safe and like get to a safe place like i need to get my people through the tunnel that's all and he's like, um, I was always loyal to my vows. And he was like, I mean, you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gives him some vodka, I assume. Yeah. Or something, some alcohol. It's a proper northern drink is all we know about it. Not wine. Is this Russia? He wrote. <laughs> well, John like chokes on the drink and he goes, that's not wine. And he goes, no, it's a proper northern drink. And um, it just reminded me of when we were studying abroad in Ireland, I had another friend who was studying abroad in um, in Russia, and she would just always talk about how, like, we joke about how much vodka they drink there, and she was like, no, it's worse than that in real life. Oh my <laughs> she, was, she would just be like, vodka. So I, I was thought like, this, this is Russia now. Vodka. I always thought it was like some sort of like moonshine. Maybe. 
like bathtub gin. Just the way he choked on it made me like remind reminded me of the first time someone drinks straight vodka. Oh God. Yeah, no, that's (laughs) probably what it is actually. Like in college, when you think there's like water in a water bottle, yeah, that's what it just reminded like hands me of. It to you, and you're like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then, fucking Stannis, God damn it! My reaction every time Stannis has ridden into any situation in this fucking rewatch is just like, "Fuck no, I don't want it. I don't want Stannis. Get the fuck out, Stannis." Yeah, we don't want him. So Stannis is here. Of course, this fucking Stannis rolls in, and the first thing he says to Mance is, kneel. And Mance is very adamant, we do not kneel. We don't kneel. It's kind of their whole thing. Yeah, they're the free folk. And Stannis is just like, well, I'm taking you all prisoners then. Which, like, fuck off, dude. But now he has a giant armory because he's backed by the Iron Bank. Oh, right. Yeah. Hate it. I hate everything about it. I don't want it. Stannis shows up being all Stannisy. He meets Jon Snow and he's like, I knew your dad. Yeah. So Jon says, I know you're the king because my dad died for you. Which isn't. I mean, I guess it's true because like that's what Ned wrote on all his little notes before he died was like, Stannis is the true heir. Do you think Jon actually is behind that? idea not that the not that the night's watch is supposed to take part in the affairs of the seven kingdoms yeah i think but he he, obviously has an opinion i think he thinks stannis is the king but he makes me like Jon snow less yeah but he's just he doesn't know stannis true he He doesn't know stannis like he really is like the rightful heir to the throne at this point in time no Daenerys is. Well, but her family was usurped. So like you're going based <laughs> on the new dynasty. Yeah, no, I know. If you're going based on the new dynasty, like it would be Stannis. I know, but also fuck him. I just hate him so much. So I feel like um, that's Jon Snow's just being like logical. Like he doesn't know him. Yeah, he like, doesn't know him. You're right. Him. You're right. He just like logically like this guy is next in line. Yeah, basically like the only time he's heard about him is when his dad died his fake dad who pretended to be his dad um and said like this is the person yeah i mean right. really john okay. snow is nice this should be next to my yeah john snow is there to the throne kyburn uh, the mountain he makes zombo yeah cersei's done with pycelle kicks him out he's like this is my lab and she's like i don't care leave which like is kind of sad but also we hate him so i don't i mean he's like actually a real doctor so i get why that's annoying for him but also but he's been like a pretty shitty person this whole this whole show so like and i forget that he is a maester because like he doesn't do maester things like i feel like maesters are supposed to be like it's not like they take a hippocratic oath or anything but like it's kind of like that like they're supposed to be like the night's watch like they're not like maesters are supposed to help people regardless of like who they are and like he's very Hysel is very political yeah not that Kyburn's not but like right. if you're gonna have a political person you may as well have someone who's who backs you and who wants to make zombies yeah he's like it might change him and Cersei's just like will it make him weaker no then I don't care no she's gonna have a zombie servant 
And it's funny in the books, they like create, like he creates this creation called like Sir Robert Strong. Um, yeah. But in the show, they don't play games. They're just like, it's the mountain. Cause you can see that it's the mountain. Whereas like in the books, you're just like, is it the mountain? It kind of sounds like the mountain. Like in the show, it clearly is. So they just don't even fuck with the Robert Strong. They're just like, yeah. Gregor um, they show like a gross scene where he's like piping out his blood from his body. Oh. It all looks very dirty and unsanitary. And I hate it. Because his body's like decaying. I mean, not completely yet, but he's been dead like a few days at this point, right? I think so. It's not clear to me how fast he died. How like, yeah, what time went by. Yeah, we don't know time of death. Or like, was he fully dead at that point? Because Pycelle was like, there's nothing I can do. Does that mean like there's nothing I can do as in he's about to die? Or nothing I can do because he's already dead? I don't actually know. I don't know. I think he was about to die. I don't think that Kyber yeah bring back the dead. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think he just had like infections and stuff. And he yeah, like, well, he's like, poisoned, he's... so. Yeah, so he's more like Frank and Melton. All right, there's another shitty Taiwan scene. Cersei and Taiwan are talking. She's getting all pissy because he says that Ooh, yeah. she has to marry Loras. I'm like, these scenes are all amazing and I love watching all of them. At the same time, I'm like almost over talking about them because it like happens so much and it's like the same so bullshit. But the big thing in this is that she tells him that, um, I wrote in my notes, Cersei tells Taiwan that she's a big incest um <laughs> she does she's like she hey you know what everything about her and jamie's true and he says he doesn't believe it and she's like that's how clueless you are it's yeah like, she's like how could you not see this happening whole your whole, yeah. yeah the whole time we've been fucking each other since as long as we can remember and yeah and then she goes and tells her brother she's like guess what i told dad that we fuck and he's like what the fuck but then they fuck again but then they fuck again <laughs> so so cersei has not been into jamie or in this season um do you think that she fucks him here because she's like using it as a move to help prevent her marriage to loris i think she fucks him here because she's using it as a move for him to not sneak Tyrion out or try to save him yeah doesn't work i think she wants to make sure like he's on her side and doesn't pull anything last minute to like try to keep Tyrion safe but it doesn't work because he does that anyway (laughs) Yeah, I also think it's because she just, like, wants to reinforce what she just told Tywin. And, like, if they're still fucking, it might be easier to, like, convince. She's like, well, it's already happened. Maybe if we just keep doing it and maybe, like, we don't even care if people know we're doing it. Like, no one else is going to want to marry me and take me away from my child. Except, like, yeah, at this point, she's like, what do I have to lose by people knowing this? Like, let's just, like, lean full in everyone kind of already knows and like they haven't kicked Tommen off the throne yet for it <laughs> so yeah um pretty gross and she uh they make this incest scene worse because she keeps like calling him brother instead of jamie <laughs> i might have skipped this like i like i put it on fast forward i'm like ah incest time do, 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 do. like i do for the rape but for this one i'm like yeah this one i don't like this either all right back to danny let's go talk back. about danny so she's 
doing queen stuff and you know queen stuff's annoying it's not as fun as you know threatening people with dragons she has to have a bunch of people come talk to her with their grievances and try to give them answers that are hard to come up with on the spot yeah there's a slave who wants to be a slave again there's apparently problems with like the soup kitchens and homeless shelters that she set up there's a guy whose child has been dragoned I want to talk about the guy who wanted to be a slave again real quick because I feel like this was like I don't want to go into whether or not slaves want to be slaves whatever like that's not the conversation that I want to have right now um but I think it was a good illustration of like I feel like this happens a lot in real life too and especially like you don't see it as much on these shows where they're like everything was fine they got rid of slavery where it's like there's a lot of like systemic things that are still embedded so like when when you take away one problem all these other problems are going to pop back up unless you like safeguard it and I feel like that's like what happened here was she's just like all the slaves are free and like didn't go into like okay like how can this economy support all these new free people like what's the currency system like where are they going to live what's the housing situation like how are we going to handle any of that she's just like you're free go off and like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like there she didn't create systems to make that feasible for them to do and I feel like that's so realistic because I feel like a lot of shit like that happens in real life where they're like you know it would be great if we did this and then like you know a big big change happens in society but it doesn't really change all that much because like all the underlying problems were still there right and I mean it's that's not to say that making that change is not the right move because it is obviously but it's not like it's not as easy as it sounds yeah there's like I mean here we are you and I living in a country where slavery has been abolished for multiple generations and yet clearly there's still repercussions from that ever existing here and so like here we are watching Daenerys like day one after making this change so like yeah obviously there's going to be a lot of problems to figure out and this guy is like a great example because he you know he's older he you know isn't like a young hard worker type um he's he used to tutor children so like what the fuck is he gonna do if he can't teach anymore like he doesn't have any savings he's an old man because he's been a slave his whole life so he can't like support himself but he's also like doesn't live in a society where it's feasible for him to get a job because no one's like been paying these people so they don't have like they don't have the economy set up to where they are willing to pay for like labor or or trades like that at this point so he's just fucked he's like I'm old I can't take care of myself there's no like job for me to do I can't go to your soup kitchens because I'll just get beat up like I don't know what else to do like he doesn't seem like he wants to be a slave necessarily if there were a better option but he's like that seems like it's the only option if you'll let me do it and he was like living in this like fancy home and like well cared for and loved the kids which like was not true of all of the slaves but like this particular right slave which I guess like she eventually says like you can have a contract to work for them which seemed like a good answer for this individual problem but it's a more systemic problem that like needs to eventually be dealt with if like slavers bay is going to be sustainable post-slavery yeah which i don't know if we ever really get an answer to because that's not the point of the show but i do like that they bring this up and not just make it like emancipation proclamation she freed all the slaves yay everything's everything's fine yeah no it's not 
Um, well, and like, obviously she is offering like a job, but her job that she offers is like, come be a soldier in my army. And like, clearly not everyone in the population that were slaves is fit to do that or wants to do that. Yeah. So like, she needs to have other things to do. <laughs> other, other jobs or like programs or whatever, you know, like, it's like not- maybe like hire some people to raise food for your fucking dragon. <laughs> eat babies, which is the next person who comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So Drogi boy has eaten the child. Um, oh, and of no, no, course, no. they don't know where Drogon is, but they decide, Danny decides to lock up her other two dragons. This scene has always seemed really ominous and like a bad omen for Danny to me, which obviously next season like is pretty fucky for her. So, yeah, I like, like she lets them in and they're like, this is cool. And they're like frolicking with each other. And then she the chains on them and they start screaming i wrote in my notes in all caps mom what the fuck this is so fucked up it wasn't even us it was drogon we didn't yeah it. what the fuck mom and she's just like crying as she does it and it seems sort of metaphorical too of like this is once again why she's not the fucking mad queen but like it almost seems like this is like in this season when she has to learn to be the mature queen and marine it's kind of when she's taking that fiery part of herself and like locking that away like that's not going to serve her here um so like she's locking away her literal dragons but then also kind of realizing like yeah like this conqueror Daenerys that I've learned to be doesn't serve in this role so I have to you know be learn to be someone else now and it's hard like it's difficult like I feel like her whole journey is such an identity crisis and like this is another part of it and she's locking up her babies yeah that's much sad. Um, and I also wrote, this is why she wouldn't burn whole cities alive. And then a bunch of the upside down smiley faces because yeah, like one child got burned and she was just like, I'm locking up my babies. Like I'm not letting this happen again. And you're supposed to let me believe that like this person's just going to like burn all the kids. That's what I'm saying. She seems like she's like making all these mistakes, but she's trying to correct them and like learn yeah. from them. So like, and that's what I thought the whole point of her staying in Marine was was to like learn how to queen and she does she does good like she faces a lot of challenges and by the time she goes to Westeros she's like worked through all this shit and then they just fucking hate it hate it hate it hate it we can talk about Bran um yeah this is the last time we see Bran for he's not in season five neither is Hodor or any of his people we also haven't seen him at all in this bunch of episodes really yeah this is the first time we've seen Bran in a while yeah, since the beginning of the season. So yeah, here he is. Um, Jojen is struggling. So, okay, one thing I want to bring up. In the books, they talk a lot. Jojen talks a lot about, like, he has had premonitions of when he's going to die. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, and like, I don't know. I I'm kind of wish they had left that in the show because, like, uh at the end of this episode the three-eyed raven like tells mira that jojen knew that he was gonna die but like i don't know i thought it was better in the books where he like knew but he like wouldn't tell her when Mm -hmm. and then like when it happens i don't know i just thought it was way better and like i agree because we're because then we're like kind of going on this journey along with mira where we're like trying to figure it out too and he's just like keeping it close to his chest because he like doesn't want her to not let him go there let him go yeah 
No, I like that better too. Um, so this is when like spoopy skellies pop up. Yeah, this little like field or pond that they're crossing like bursts into skeletons popping out of the ground, which is of course who stabs Jojen. Yeah, he gets stabbed by a spoopy skelly. Bran has been warging into Hodor more and more frequently, which he does here. He manages to save Bran. Bran manages to save Bran from the skellies using Hodor, but he does not save Jojen. Jojen dies. Uh, Leaf, the children of the forest person, pops up and is like, come with me. What the fuck? They never did anything with this. The children of the forest thing? Yeah, no, they didn't. All that happened with the children of the forest is they were like, this is a legend that only a few people believe in. And it's kind of like a children's story, but maybe it's real, but maybe not. Especially if you're in the North, maybe it's real. Um, but not really. And then like Leaf is like, I'm one of them. The end. And then <laughs> she like dies eventually. And like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. She's here for like 10 minutes and like, we don't really get anything else on the children. I mean, we learned that like they make the White Walkers eventually. That's like way later. But like, yeah, I don't know. There's just like, it seems like there's a lot of like unanswered questions about like who they really were and like, yeah, I don't know. Like, we get that vague outline of it, but like, not much. I feel like they should have been involved in that final battle in some way. Yes. Yeah. Like, I just feel like they could have like, brought them in more. He intel on what to do with the White Walkers because that's where they came from and they fought them the first time alongside the men. But yeah, we don't get much. But the children of the forest are cool. Leaf's cool um i think it's like a cool character i wish they did more with that but she like kind of brings them to the big tree which at the point in the books that like still exists now like bran becomes a tree along with him and like is just there now so i don't understand like is he if he's gonna actually be king in the books and how he's gonna untree himself no he's a tree he's a tree yeah, they're both part of the tree, and they're both a raven, and they're both a tree, and they're both people, but also a tree, and they're stuck to the ground. Yeah, like, he's, like, what rooted the into the tree, and he can only move through, like, warging into things like the raven and, like, yeah. you know, other things, and he can do green seeing, which we don't really know about yet, but that's when he can, like, see through. We do. Jojen told us about it a little bit. Jojen told us about it, yeah, where he can, like, see through the trees. I guess we just haven't seen him do it yet. We did um, one time because he did it in, was it earlier in this season? We talked about it. Um, it was like with Jojen and he like touches a, a tree and sees right, into the right, past right. for the first time. But yeah, we're obviously going to see a lot yeah, more of that next season. Like because past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now like now that he's inside of a werewood, he'll obviously just be yeah. werewood tree seeing all the time. So yeah, I don't understand how he becomes king because he's a tree. But in this, he's not really a tree. Um, seems fake. Um, so yeah, so then we won't see Bran until he goes through puberty. Um, he's going to look a lot older the next time we see him. Um, yeah, and then we get to Brienne and Podrick catch up with Arya in the Hound. Yeah, they just randomly walk up to Arya in the middle of fucking Northern Ireland. I mean, the North. Um, (laughs) This seems unlikely. Yeah, no. They're supposed to be in the biggest, like, expanse of land, like, just wandering around Westeros in the middle of nowhere. 
I mean, I guess like she was headed toward the veil, like Brienne was headed toward the veil and Arya's heading away from it now. So like, I guess they're in the same vicinity, but it still seems like, like they're not on a road. Yeah. What the fuck? Very coincidental. And Arya's like, hey, you're fucking cool because you're a girl with a sword. And like, they start bonding over that. Yeah. She's like, what do you call your sword? And like, you got armor. That's cool. Yeah, how'd you learn to fight? But then Brienne's trying to get her to come with her, and Arya just like is like, trust no bitch. Like she doesn't didn't trust her. She doesn't trust the hound tries to like defend her, but she doesn't really trust the hound either. Like she's not trying to like stay with him necessarily. So yeah, like, they have this like weird symbiotic relationship, but she doesn't trust him. Yeah. So then Brienne and the Hound get in a big fight and Arya just fucks off. Arya pieces the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm the not end- doing this. She has the chance to kill the hound and he's trying to get her to because he's in a lot of pain and he wants to die. And he's just like saying all these horrible and things. And he knows that he's on her list. And he's saying all these horrible things to her that aren't true about how he wishes he raped Sansa, which isn't true because he tried to take her and protect her. Um, but he's, you know, just saying all these like horrible things to try to get Arya to kill him. And she like knows that it's bullshit. And yeah, she- he's like, I did kill your friend, Micah. Like, he was begging for his life and I killed him and I ran him down and like anything that he can think will provoke her to kill him because he's in a horrible amount of pain. And she like goes up to him finally after like sitting and watching him talk and just robs him instead. Which is like almost more brutal. Like he's like, put me out of my misery and she's like, I'm going to leave you here to die and take all your shit. Yeah. Well, and like, He's become this, like, gray area for her because, like, yeah, he's on her list. And once the name's on the list, it doesn't really leave. <laughs> but um, but obviously, like, they've kind of become weird friends in this season. And, like, she has, you know, earlier in this season, she needed him to survive. She's learned a lot from him and, like, through her experiences this season to where she's now, like, I can take it from here. So, like... I think part of it is like, yeah, it, maybe it's more brutal to leave him to die, but also it's like, maybe he is, you know, maybe she doesn't need to be the one to do the act. Like, he's still on her list, but like, he's helped her too. Yeah. She's ambivalent about it. So she just robs him and fucks off and then goes to Bravos. Yeah. So this, I feel like this is one of the, <laughs> I mean, it's the end of the season, but I, I feel like it's one of those, uh, it's like the end of Lord of the Rings where they put like 10 endings in. <laughs> Yeah, because like that scene felt like an ending and then there's like when Jamie breaks Tyrion out yeah say goodbye so oh we didn't even say what happened before them oh no Jamie breaks Tyrion out yeah there's that Arya scene and then there's another Arya scene where she gets on the boat at the end but yeah like yeah I was just jumping ahead with Arya but then we can go back to Tyrion no yeah so yeah that is after it because there's there's the scene where she sits by the hound yeah, but the scene was no, Brienne. I was saying, yeah, you're right. I anyway, going it doesn't, in the order it doesn't the matter. Episode. Yeah, I wasn't going in the order of the episode. I was just like saying what happened next for the character because I feel like it makes more sense. No, no, no. And it did happen in that order too, though, is what I was saying. Um, okay, Jamie comes to let Tyrion out of his cell. He's like, I'm rescuing you. Varys is helping me go escape. Um, this is a really sad goodbye. And I think about this a lot in this show because, like, usually when characters like really part ways to like go to different lands it's like it's kind of always like i might not see you again this is the end of our relationship but especially in this instance since Tyrion has been sentenced to die he's like really I'm should never come back again to like you're exiled yeah. yeah 
So, and like Jamie is like so focused on like what he's supposed to do. He almost like forgets to say goodbye to him. And then Tyrion's just like, I guess this is goodbye. And then it's real sad. But they actually do reunite in the last They do, but like they aren't expecting to at this point, obviously. Yeah. And then Tyrion takes a little detour. The pit stop to Tywin's quarters where he finds Shay. This is another thing that was in the books that I that they didn't leave in the show, which was like, it didn't need to be in there, I guess. It worked out fine, but I thought it was fun because he like, when he is the hand of the king, he like finds the secret passage to get into the hand of the king tower. So like, that's how he knows how to sneak up there from the tunnels that he's in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I liked that like secret tunnels and he like knows the way around them. I don't know. It was just kind of like a fun little thing. The other part from the books that wasn't here that I think maybe should have been, I think maybe they just, didn't want to have too many plots where he learned that the girl that he married when he was 13 um was actually never a sex worker at all yes I forgot about that um so Jamie tells him that as he's like letting him go that like she was actually just a girl from town and then like that's what Tywin did um to him um and that's part of why he kills him you know I mean I guess just sentencing him to die and fucking his girl was bad enough but um yeah I don't know I just thought that part just really added to yeah he how just like has Tywin one more is. reason to kill Tywin yeah it's pretty Tywin's fucking terrible um it really is but yeah he goes into the tower he finds Shay in Tywin's bed which she's already betrayed him enough but like this is another layer of it that he wasn't expecting fucking your dad not good and well and like she's like laying away from him and she hears someone coming and she says my lion which is what she used to call him but then she's surprised as him so she's obviously calling his dad the same nickname which is disgusting Uh, ick and then he strangled yeah so both of them immediately jump to the conclusion that they should kill each other (laughs) yeah clearly um she tries to stab him and then he strangles her and then he like says this weird, I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. Which is weird. like a really creepy horror movie murder line. Um yeah, but then he goes and kills Tywin on the shitter. But she says something earlier, like um Littlefinger says something to Robin Aaron about like people die on their chamber pots. Um and that was sort of foreshadowing for this because he dies on his chamber pot. And he says a lot more shitty dad things before he does. He sure does. Tyrion threatens him. He's like, if you call her a whore one more time, like, don't do it. And then Tywin does. And he, like, calls Tyrion's bluff and, like, does not think Tyrion will actually kill him. And it's like, you don't realize how fucking shitty you've been to this person for their entire life if you don't think that they have a reason to kill you. you. They have so many reasons to kill you. And so, of course, he do it. He goes, what are you afraid of a dead whore? And he shoots him. And then he says, you're no son of mine. And Tyrion says, I am your son. And then shoots him again and he dies. Yep. Pretty. And that's it. That's Do we the put episode. That one's, I feel like, again, less brutal, but it's a pretty high profile. I think that death, King's so is brutal death. We'll put it yeah. on there. He was shot to death on the toilet. <laughs> Ringo pop and shot on the shitter. 
Alrighty. And that's season four. Yeah. So that's season four. Um, a lot went down. Yeah. A lot went down. So next, uh, next up we have, do you want to do a little kill, fuck or marry? Yes, 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 yes. Let's do it. You have some, you want to start? You want me to start? Um, I'll start. Okay. So I have his Darzo Lorak, Sir Gregor Clegane, and Jorah Mormont. <laughs> it's hard because you want to kill them all. Okay. 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 Ugh. Right. Who do I want to kill the least? I mean, I think, okay, I want to kill Jorah. <laughs> okay. I immediately kill Jorah. I don't like slaves as much as he does by, and by that, I mean, I don't like slavery at all. And he fucking loves it. Yeah. Um, I guess, man, both of these are bad options. So like Clegane is into rape, but I guess he could be fun for a consensual situation once. So maybe I'll fuck him and marry his, I don't want to be married to him, but. Neither does Danny. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess that's what I do. Very fair. That was kind of a mean one. I think you handled it I well. might have a mean one, too. Okay. Oh, man. I wrote down three and only one of them saved. What the fuck? It's okay. I think oh. I remember them. My first one that I wrote down. Fuck, Mary kill. The Lannister children. I have that one, too. <laughs> Jamie, Cersei, or Tyrion. So now we both have to do it because I have the exact same one. Right okay, now. I didn't think about my own answers for it yet. So okay, um, I feel like I want to marry Tyrion. Um, I guess fuck Jamie and kill Cersei. That those two are harder to figure out. Like I would fuck Lena Headey, but I feel like Cersei would be like really mean and like talk shit about my body. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like she'd be very degrading and probably like very selfish in that I think I would kill her too as a character but I think I would switch the other two because of the season three side quest between Brienne and Jamie I think like okay. if he were given the opportunity to like grow close to someone who isn't his sister he could be like a cool dude so that's fair and I feel like Tyrion obviously is like you know he's a good lay right he's gotta be I feel like he'd be a good husband I feel like he'd be a good husband yeah he could be too I don't know I just like just because of the Brienne and Jamie side quest I'm like oh Jamie I don't know very fair I have more of a crush on him than Tyrion (laughs) (laughs) so Daenerys Egret Brienne of Tarth oh that's a good one <laughs> a tough one too because I don't want to kill any of them. I want to kill any of them, right? <laughs> and I want to fuck all of them. Yes. I think Mary Agret. Okay. She's like sexy and fun, but also she like cracks me up the most. So you know, Very she fair. seems like she'd be the most fun to hang out with for a long time. I mean, Danny too, but like she's a little more serious. So we'll fuck her. And then I guess we have to kill Brienne. Sorry. Sorry. I had to do this one this week because some of these characters died. So Sam, Pip, and Gren. Ooh. Um, 
This one's hard. I think I'll marry Sam. He's nice. I'll fuck Gred and kill Pip. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mixed them up in my head. I was trying to be like, which one was which? <laughs> like, um, I don't have any. I can't remember what my third one was, but if yeah, you have any, have any more. Okay. No, I think we did good. All right. Well, that was our this week's wrap of uh, Fuck Mary Kill. If you guys have any Fuck Mary Kills that you want us to do, um, send them our way too. Yeah, you can tweet at us at underscore pod of the dragon on Twitter, or you can email us at pod of the dragon podcast at gmail.com. Um, guys, we will be back in, we'll be back next week with a mini sode, and then we'll be back in two weeks with our next edition starting season five of our epic Game of Thrones rewatch. So stick around for that. And um, in the meantime, Christine, do you have anything you want to plug? Nothing new. Um, go ahead and follow my bands if you want at Chaos Pixie NYC. That's my pop punk band. Um, and at Hard Cider Music. That's my acoustic covers project. We're not super active right now. Doing rehearsals. Don't have any gigs coming up. Um, but if you want to give us a follow, especially if you're in New York, um, you can come see us play. How about you? Yeah, you can, as always, follow me on Instagram at low underscore Mazzy. I want to just quick give a plug to this delicious non-alcoholic beer that I am drinking tonight, which is the Tropical Sour from Athletic Brewing. If you guys want a discount code for Athletic Brewing, you can go ahead and follow me on Instagram. They make super awesome non-alcoholic beers that actually taste amazing. This is one of my favorite ones, to be honest. I am a sucker for a sour. Ooh, that one looks good. I haven't had that one. A lot of the bars around here carry the IPA, which is great because sometimes I want to stay out, but it's time to stop drinking. Um, but they don't have any of the other ones and I'm not like a huge IPA person. So yeah, I, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm like getting into my triathlon training season. So like this week I have a race at the end of the week. So I decided I'm not going to drink any alcohol this week. So now I can just like drink some of these instead kind of hits the spot for me yep I love drinking beer but you know just stay in a little bit better shape for race day on Saturday perfect and good luck thank you all right and we will see you guys all back here next week yeah so if you guys want to give us some love for the pod if you're enjoying it uh we would super appreciate if you want to share the podcast with your friends if you would please rate us and subscribe, that really does help us a lot. We are a little baby pod and we're just trying to find our way in the world. So that definitely means a lot to us. And we very much appreciate you guys listening. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check out our store on Etsy. And we would really love to hear from you guys. If you have differing theories from us on anything we're talking about on Game of Thrones, or if you have a fuck Mary Kittle that you want to do for, with us, uh, you can email us at pot of the dragon podcast again, and we would love to hear from you there. Yeah. So Christine, until next time, dreams didn't make us podcasters. Dragons did. Dracaris. Bye forever. Bye forever. Thanks for coming to our podcast, y'all. <laughs> Do 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 do
Chon, 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 chon,